1: Today on the Zabecast, the NFL loves its money. Do they really want to dance with an 18-game schedule? Andy Polin joins us to talk NFL, Redskins, and more. Plus, why is Jay Gruden dancing around the fact that Alex Smith is nowhere near close to coming back to play football? Hank Haney, resort deaths, and of course, dodgeball back in the news. You've got me locked and loaded, so let's go! ho 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 Here we go! Tuesday, June 4th, 2019. Thank you for downloading. Andy Poland will join us in mere moments. Let me begin with this. Dateline, the Dominican Republic. American tourists beginning to raise red flags about safety involving travel and luxury resorts in the DR. Why, you ask? Well, here's a fishy story. On Friday of last week, news broke that a couple from Maryland, Edward Nathaniel Holmes and Cynthia Ann Day, were both found unresponsive in their room by the staff at the Bahia Principe Hotel at the resort Playa Nueva Romana after they did not check out at the expected time. It's bad. What happened? Well, according to forensic Sciences in the Dominican National Institute of Health, they announced that after autopsies on both the man and the woman, that the 63-year-old Holmes and the 49-year-old Day both died of respiratory failure and pulmonary edema, a buildup of fluid in the lungs. Officers said that, or the police told CNN that the officers found blood pressure medication in the couple's room. Well, duh who's not on blood pressure medication. So in other words, I think that autopsy, respiratory failure, pulmonary edema is sort of like dying of quote-unquote natural causes. At the same time, in their hotel room, no 911 call, no call to the front desk, no nothing, no sign of blunt force trauma, no sign of forced entry, no sign of asphyxiation by perhaps a poisonous gas that might have leaked. Really? Get the fuck out of here. Uh, someone else tweeted, they found another black couple dead in their resort in the Dominican Republic. Scratches DR off my travel list, tweeted one person on Twitter. Also, that tweet was in reference to the deaths of Orlando Moore and Portia Ravenell a New York couple that went missing in late April. It was later determined that they died when their rental car plunged in the Caribbean Sea on their way back to the airport. As of April 14th, an official cause of death had not been determined. Um, I think I know. Rental car to the ocean. Boom. Mystery solved. Cause of death taken care of. The news of the Maryland couple's deaths comes just two days after Tammy Lawrence Daly of Wilmington, Delaware, said she had been nearly beaten to death while taking pictures during her second night at Punta Cana's Majestic Elegance Resort by an attacker wearing a hotel uniform, who dragged her to a basement maintenance room. In a Facebook post that has since gone viral, she said she hadn't, she wasn't found for another eight hours, despite her husband and friends' repli- repeated pleas to the staff for help in finding her. When they did manage to find her, she had injuries serious enough to keep her in the hospital for five days. That really is an Aurora Borealis Borealis level of really... I mean, two a couple, both dying in their hotel room, of supposedly natural causes, at the same time, no emergency call, no one running out of the room screaming, help! My wife has fallen, and she can't get up, or she's not breathing. Nothing? Really. World's a dangerous place. I'm not saying, I'm just saying. Very fishy. All right, it's time to rattle Andy Poland's cage. Just figure out what the hell's going on with this fella this week. Sure, it's something. It's always something. Dun, 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 dun. Hello. Andrew pollen Good evening, sir. How are you? I'm great. You? Doing good, man. What's going on?
0: Just watching uh, the end of, pardon the interruption, waiting for the Nats game to come on. Big exciting night here in Germantown.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we are here at the end of the uh, end of the sports ride, as I call it, the roller coaster's clattering into the station that, uh, basically the NBA finals are it, uh, it goes real slow in the summer and then we get yeah. ramped up again with football in September.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I mean, there's drama for mini camp, which I'm sure we're going to get to here and training camp opens in late July and you know, but it's still,
1: tough. it's still thin though, Andy, you know, it having done enough laps around the sports calendar, you know, the cycle, you know, the ebb and flow, this is low tide we're coming up upon. Yeah, and so, Trent you know, and I've, Trent Williams skipping one day of of mandatory minicamp, in which they're going to cancel the third day because they do that anyway. After he just had a procedure to begin with, is not a big fucking deal. That you can't even make a sandwich out of this. You're,
0: you're breaking up here. I can't.
1: Sorry. Hello. Hello. Hey. Hello. Hello. Can you hear me, Andy? Uh, God damn but, cell phones are the worst. Pardon my language. Can you hear me now, Andy? Can you hear I can me? I hear you, but.
0: You, you, I hear you, but you're garbled. So
1: <laughs> I'm gonna shake my phone now, maybe yeah, that it'll sounds work. Good. we better that now? Sounds all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I literally shook my cell phone as if it had water in it. That's such a fucking joke. <laughs> I I really hate I really hate how bad cell technology is these days. I, it's just insane. So yeah, so the yeah. Trent Williams thing, you can't even make a sandwich out of that, Andy, because it's not gonna result in anything. they he's gonna report to camp. He's gonna play yeah. for the Redskins this year, right?
0: Yeah, I, I understand all that, but but what he's doing is he's saying, Boy, you really haven't done anything in the off season on the offensive line. So you're probably gonna really need me, A. B, I don't think this team has a chance to get to the Super Bowl see I got two years left on my contract I know you're not going to extend me I'm 31 years old and I'm one more failed drug test away from missing a whole season so I might as well make this power play he's got nothing to lose there I mean this this to me is a move that he calculated it makes sense for him but in terms of you know the big leader that he supposedly was, remember the Hogs 2.0 and taking everybody to Houston and work hard and all that—that's a bunch of hooey. It's just a bunch of nonsense.
1: Yeah. Do you think that it's possible that he'll extend this holdout deep into the summer and maybe into the regular season?
0: No. Well, no. He, he could do it into the summer, but he'll lose money. Start. Right. Okay.
1: Yeah. So he won't do that. All right. But I, th- I think your reading of the situation is, is accurate, and it's not the way you want to start the year. With a clear signal from your one of your best players on offense, even as many surgeries as he's had, it's a signal of him saying, huh, get me the fuck out of here, or just pay me now because this is going to be a rough ride this year.
0: Yeah, yeah right, right. Also, uh, there's a new collective bargaining agreement coming, coincidentally, at the end of his contract. So he doesn't know you know, what the future is going to be for that either.
1: That's a good point. Yeah, his deal straddles that. And of course, we had Roger Goodell, Andy. Once uh, again, rattling the cage of a longer regular season.
0: Well, that's what they keep saying. And, and I think eventually they're going to get the players to swallow it. Because as our friend Tom Levero likes to say, this is a motorcycle gang. And that'd be the the players
1: association is a motorcycle gang. The owners are not a motorcycle gang. They're, they're the mafia is what they are. And they're they're shaking down the hell's angels. Every chance they get.
0: Yeah. And here's Damaris Smith now telling the players to save money and get ready for a
1: lockout. (laughs) I saw that. (laughs) I saw that. And I'm like, Jesus, here we go again on this saving money shit. We heard this 10 years ago.
0: Ten years ago, the, when the lockout didn't even last really through like two weeks of the off season, uh, you had guys borrowing like a million dollars at twenty percent interest.
1: Yeah, they and were hey, you know, <laughs> it was crazy. They were going to loan sharks and shit. I think there was some study of ex agents that said most NFL players can't go more than three months without a check.
0: Right, right. They they don't understand money, and they've got all these people who think they're along for the ride. And they give them money because they think the money is endless. And, uh, you know, one of the things that that DeMar Smith said, and I think this does make sense, is let's stop paying the players per game. Let's pay them by the week or every other week like everybody else because they get these enormous checks, you know, 16 times a year. And they think, oh, this is all the money in the world. Well, it's not.
1: Well, and I understand what he's saying there. But then you stop and say, I'm sorry, are these NFL players fucking children? Do they not understand how to realize that, yes, you're going to get this huge check for 16 straight weeks, and then you're going to get nothing. So watch this, uh, Billy. You divide the number of months. I mean, like seriously, I understand where on the one hand, he's not wrong. On the other hand, These guys are supposed this is why they have these symposiums. They've had the rookie symposium for how many years, Andy? And still NFL players can't manage their money.
0: No well, it's it's ridiculous. One year they had the rookie symposium. This is one of my favorite stories. And as soon as it was over, there was Keyshawn Johnson outside the hotel door showing you how to trick out your SUV and rims and all the other things that he was his service was providing. No way. (laughs) Oh yeah. I, I think yeah. the
1: rookie symposium and haven't hasn't the NFL canceled it now?
0: I don't know. Um, or didn't
1: they fold it into something else where it's not so much of a big event because the late Sean Taylor, may he rest in peace, skipped out of he he walked, he bounced from the yeah, rookie symposium and I think he got fined for it, right?
0: Oh yeah, he got he got fine. I don't think he cared. I think he marched to the beat of his own drum. But h- wasn't it wasn't only like two years ago that Chris Carter said you got to get a
1: fall guy. That you was get a fall guy, right? I think the NFL has disbanded it formally because, as you point out, it was more like putting all the new fish in a barrel and inviting every jeweler, every car yeah. dealer, every a financial huckster a chance to come around the barrel and start shooting like. Oh, good! All these rookies are here. They were just told, "Don't do this, don't do that, don't do this," and now we get to try to take their money.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean that's and they, you know, they know that they have to go to this mandatory symposium, so they listen for two days, and it's like the adults in Charlie Brown. And then it's over, and they can go off and spend their money.
1: Right. Where did you learn to handle your money as a young adult?
0: My dad, my, my father is a child of the depression and, uh, he and his sister and his mom and his dad lived above a store, which was open seven days a week. And between the four of them, there was always somebody behind the counter. So yeah, they, uh, they understood the value of a dollar and, uh, yeah, that's definitely where I got it.
1: What was one of your first jobs that, that earned you money? As a kid,
0: uh, well, I did a lot of babysitting. Um, okay. um, I lived on a, a block where a lot of younger kids, so I did that. There were do you remember kids.
1: Do you remember what you got paid per hour?
0: Oh, absolutely! I remember what I got paid. It was it was one family had four kids. Uh, two of the girls were difficult to deal with. It was <laughs> fifty cents an hour.
1: Fifty, 50 cents an hour. And yeah, how did you feel? Would... How did you feel making the fifty cents?
0: Well, I mean, you know, it wasn't like I had a lot of job offers at the time. I mean, nobody was
1: at but that you point didn't, offering me. You didn't feel jilted, did you? You felt no, it was. Well, a, did I, you feel it was a fair wage?
0: Not particularly, but I didn't have the chutzpah okay. to stand up and you know do a Norma Ray and, and ring the <laughs> bell and, <you> know, <laughs> and these are unfair this is, working conditions. This is
1: what 1974, <laughs> I'm guessing.
0: Yeah, Maybe even earlier, yeah, early uh, 70s. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, and, uh, that's probably the prevailing wage.
1: And- I know a family, a uh, well-to-do family, who have like a bunch of kids, five kids, and they their daughters who would babysit as teenagers, they were prevented by their parents from charging any more than like $3 an hour in 2016, mm-hmm. which was way below... The prevailing rate. Most parents now, if you tell them it's $20 an hour, fine, just take it. Yep. I want to get out of the house. So, and I said, wow, that's really hardcore. Why is that? And you know their answer? They said, because I don't want our kids getting a sense of this is what the real world pays for unskilled uh, jobs. I
0: see. Huh, that's and, interesting. And, yeah. and
1: I said, well, with such an artificial suppression, of the prevailing wage for babysitting, they must have had a waiting list <laughs> a mile long. A three dollar an hour babysitter that's really qualified, who wouldn't want to hire that?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, that's 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 amazing. I mean you, you also want though the kid to have some responsibility. I mean, especially if you got a, a baby or sure. you know somebody who might have a medical problem that you gotta know what to do, you know, no. who to call, all that kind of thing.
1: I know uh I know people think that I I, I spend recklessly, and, and at times I do. However, I'm, I'm, I'm not terrible with my money in this regard. I, I learned in college. First of all, it helped that my older brother, uh, Jimmy, was two years ahead of me, and he was sort of fast and loose with his money, and so therefore it set the kind of the sustenance level of, of living money for my parents right. at a pretty high number. So I gotta thank my brother Jim for that because it it allowed me, my parents were like, well, we gave Jimmy $250 a month to live on, so we'll do that for Steven. I was able to slip under that easily because my brother was spending the money. That was number one. But number two, in college, I wrote for the student newspaper, which paid ten dollars an article, Andy.
0: Oh, it paid. Oh, really?
1: Yeah. Wow. The newspaper actually paid ten dollars an article and okay. I refereed intramural. Basketball, intramural floor hockey, and whatnot, and I think that paid five dollars a game. But I could do upwards of three games in a night. They would last maybe an hour, right. and so I racked up this extra money. and And I was good at saving it. What else I did is in college is I kept a handwritten ledger of everything I spent money on. So I'd you write. Did. I did.
0: You should have been an accountant.
1: <laughs> well, I don't think I had any fancy sort of. It was just write it down, that's all. So it'd be like, burrito, $3.63. And I just wrote it down. And so that kind of kept me mindful of it. So I was able to save money pretty well in college, and I ended up buying uh, one of the first Apple computers. Actually, one of the first Macintosh Apple computers. Oh, yeah. And I remember, Andy, it cost damn near $2,000 in 1988, I want to say. Which was an insane sum of money. And this computer couldn't do shit back then for that much money. But what it did was it allowed me to type papers without the tedium of a typewriter and whiteout and correction tape. And it allowed me to not have to go into the stupid computer lab at UCSB to do the papers. And I loved it. I could do it in my dorm room or in my apartment.
0: Yeah, well, as, as you know, uh, my first job when I was 19 years old in Beaumont, Texas, paid me $160 a week. And? And, and my kids are tired of hearing me say this, but you used to be able to buy four boxes of Kraft macaroni and cheese for a dollar. And, that was and you would? Like a week. Yeah, it was like a week's worth of food. Part of the problem was, now, my father had given me a car. I, did have, I didn't have to pay for a car. I didn't have a car payment. But this Volkswagen broke down all the time. So I was spending a significant amount of money getting it fixed and keeping it on the road. Uh, so that was, that was a, a big expense for me. I, uh, and also, when I moved to Beaumont, the oil industry was healthy. Ooh. So there were people, most kids didn't go to college because they could get a job in the refinery for 10 to $12 an hour right out of high school, which was good money in those days. And so the apartments there were expensive, and I wound up renting a room from a woman for $150 a month, I had to pay her cash, and I uh, had to take a bath. She had one of these um, corner bathtubs where you had this like angled shower curtain rod, and at some point it had fallen down. And she was a widow and she thought, oh God, if I put it up again, the whole house will fall down if it falls, so I'm not putting it up again. (laughs) So I had to take a bath instead of a shower for a year. (laughs)
1: rubber ducky you're the one i can right, just yeah. picture a young andy poland taking a corner bath Yeah, <laughs> ah, right. but good times though it but all that stuff builds up your sort of muscles of make money save money track money etc and look it's hard i'm more sympathetic to athletes now and their financial woes than i used to be in the past i guess because i see how vicious the environment is around them with mm-hmm. women, baby mamas, family members, and the pressure and everything else, and the pressure to keep up with other players on social media. Yeah. I guess I'm sympathetic to it. I I don't take as harsh a view, but these guys should be better at it uh, at this point. By the way, the NFL canceled the rookie symposium in 2016. They said okay. it was to allow each individual team to craft their own program within their own building that is better suited to their needs. Translation, well, yeah. translation. Andy, it was a big fucking failure, by the it way. It was a
0: disaster. And you, you can't, look, Brian Mitchell told me this. When he was the player rep for the Redskins, and I think the NFL still has this program, if you put away $10,000 a year from your salary, the NFL will match it dollar for dollar. There isn't another business in the world, I bet, will do that. So Holy if shit. you play Yeah, if you play five years and you put away fifty thousand dollars, you'll walk away with a check for a hundred grand. And Mitchell said that he would go to players and they would say, Oh no, you're not taking my money. That's my money. And he couldn't get through to them <laughs> what a great deal this was. So, you know, they don't have a great understanding of money. Yeah. And sometimes and now unfortunately you hear this more and more they'll turn it over to a financial advisor Oh God. and the advisor makes off with a lot of their money and, and smart guys too. This happened to to guys like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar when he was playing and, and, you know, they're, they're out there. Those sharks are looking for that money.
1: That said, Andy, this, you know, the NFL once again talking about expanding the regular season, let me get, get, get you on record. Would you prefer if they can do it an 18 game regular season to 16?
0: Let me give you two words mark sanchez and mark sanchez those type of players you will see more and more and more of them it's just too many games and there's too many injuries so that's a hell no
1: that's a hell i thought the answer i thought your two words would be hell and no but but your, your answer is hell no in the form of mark sanchez who by the way was only the redskins third quarterback they used not the fourth and final one which was josh johnson
0: Right, right, but I, when you when you lose your top two quarterbacks to broken legs right. in a matter of three weeks, right. you're forced to you know kind of sift through the rubble, and yeah, you might come up with a guy like Johnson who was okay, he wasn't great, but he was good enough to win a game, right. or you have a guy who was a complete embarrassment like Sanchez.
1: Okay, so you're against it. I'm against it as well. I, I, I like the symmetry of the 16 games. I like the history of the 16 games, even though it was – Fourteen games uh, back in seventy. When did they change it? Seventy-eight.
0: Seven. Yes, yeah, seventy-seven was the last year it was a fourteen-game schedule. But here's another problem with eighteen. You know, when the Redskins are out of it at like the thirteen-game mark. At okay, five and
1: twelve, th- or well, yeah, I mean, whatever, seventeen got- games. Let's say they're. Let's say they are four and ten.
0: Yeah. So so there's there's only a couple more games. Three games left. When We got 18 games, and you're out of it after, like, 12. That's six more crap of meaningless games. Oh, yeah.
1: At the teams that are 4-10 and that would normally go, okay, two more weeks, and we're done, and we can start yeah. licking our wounds, figure out next year. Instead, you're now going to have a month, a month of shit football that you're going to have to endure. And for everyone that says to me, I don't know why you call it shit football, it counts. Fantasy, you yeah. can bet on it. Fuck you, it's shitty football. Don't lie to me. You know it. I know it.
0: Right, and guy, guys are, are packing it in, and they're, and they're going to hit free agencies. They, they want to make sure that they don't get injured before they hit the open market. And it, it can work in baseball, obviously, and it can work in you know basketball and hockey. But in football, no. Once you're done, you want to protect yourself because you've got a limited shelf life, and you want to be healthy for You know, as Mike Shannon one says, for the off-season. Robert (laughs) needed an off-season.
1: He didn't have one. The (laughs) off-season. Which brings me to my alternative idea, which is to take some of that inventory at 1 o'clock on Sundays and save it. And then you can have an 18-week envelope of a season with two bye weeks, which they've done before. It was not that well received. But you could do it with two bye weeks. You, you don't serve as much food at 1 o'clock. I likened it to a buffet that is yeah. overstocked, and they throw away. The NFL, Andy, throws away a lot of food at 1 o'clock on Sundays. They could skim right. five of those games. They could play 5, 1 o'clock, 3, 4 o'clock, your normal Sunday night, Monday night, Thursday night. You've got plenty of extra games then to spackle in an extra bye week, and you'd have a longer season but with the same amount of games per team.
0: Yeah, it's it's a thought. The other thing, and I do remember that '93 season well. Now that was a miserable one for the Redskins. That's the the two by
1: the two by year '93.
0: Yeah, and uh, and that was a four and twelve year for the Skins. Um, I would say this: the Directv was, I guess, around but not a big factor then. Um, The fantasy football was off the ground, but not nearly the level it is today. I think. The two bye weeks setup might work better now. It might be a, a better a better circumstance for the league right now. And as you say, staggering the games, you won't have to necessarily like I do watch the Red Zone channel for all the games. You'll be able to get, you know, quite now. It's gonna probably kill the rec TV. Yeah, but, uh, but, I, think but I,
1: I, leaning, think, I think they were leaning. I think they're heading that way anyway. And the yeah. other idea, which I think is even more brilliant, is you have games go off at 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, and 4 o'clock, so you get a rolling thunder of constant witching hour finishes that right. we can all watch. How fucking great would that be?
0: Well, that's, that's the, yeah, that's the great thing about the Red Zone channel. If you tune in like a quarter to four you're going to see yeah, you know, maybe three my, or four great finishes.
1: But my point is that that's only one hour. It's the witching hour, as they call it, right. where all this crazy shit happens. If you stagger the games, right. you'll get to see more. Because even Andrew Siciliano or Scott Hansen on the red zones, they're flipping around so quick, you're still missing a lot in the frantic final minutes. It'd be better to space that out, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think I think you're on. And I don't remember this, but people tell me this was the case. There were blue laws in Baltimore, so that you couldn't start an NFL game until two o'clock.
1: Blue laws being have, laws against selling alcohol on Sunday prior to a certain hour,
0: or or any you know stores being open, anything. So uh, they they were told you know two o'clock was when you could start. I thought that they just put the Colts home games on at four. But I'm told that until maybe like 1980 or so, they would have two o'clock starts. And, you know, you would just, Baltimore would get that game. And if it was a big game, I, I don't really know how the rest of the country consumed it. It was, it was yeah. a different, different world then.
1: And, of course, Goodell at this charity tournament for Jim Kelly started to rattle the saber on Buffalo. And the yeah. fine citizens of upstate New York to reach for their tax wallets. And build the Bills a new stadium.
0: Yeah, well, that's how the league has operated. The, the only guy who's really put a fly in that ointment is uh, Stan Kroenke, who said, screw you, I'll just build my own. But but where uh, would the oh,
1: Bills go? What's their uh, stalking horse market?
0: Well, I mean, we're watching the NBA Finals now. The Bills have been in Toronto. The league might want to <laughs> put its footprint in Canada. Oh, I don't know. Don't Don't rule that out.
1: Okay. Doesn't tar- I mean, what would the but what would the Argonauts have to say, Andy? Yeah,
0: right. <laughs> As you once so well put it, when the DC United was complaining about the Nationals messing up their field at RFK, just take their balls and punt them out in the parking lot. <laughs>
1: Oh God! I believe I believe one of the DC United officials who was listening at the time did not take well to those comments.
0: No, but I think the sentiment was perfect.
1: Poof! <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here, soccer boy.
0: Yeah. All yeah, right. Well, it's a baseball team, fellas. Move away.
1: Oh, uh Today, did you see John Gruden talking about Alex Smith? saying essentially nothing. Like, Jay Gruden. You Jay Gruden. Did Jay I say John? Yeah, Jay yeah, Gruden yeah. saying, and I quote, Alex is recovering nicely, quote unquote, and that once he finally is able to get going, that he will come along faster than people think. Question. Great. What the fuck do the Redskins take us as? Children? <laughs>
0: Oh yeah. What is yeah. their
1: what is their play here that they're not being frank and honest with us saying as you can see Alex is still in the external fixator. He's got a long way to go just to get that leg strong enough to do normal workouts. We don't expect him at all this year. Why can't they say that?
0: Because that would be admitting that they really made a stupid mistake in giving him a contract extension. But they everybody like knows,
1: but everybody knows that. <laughs>
0: When they when they when they announce that they have a crowd of seventy eight thousand at FedEx Field, and you're at the game, and you know there's forty,
1: right?
0: It's the same thing. You, you know they do take you for an idiot.
1: So that's so you just think it's typical Redskin blowing yeah. sunshine that they're right. not being. The, there's no other play they're working on here. It's not an insurance issue thing. are they going to trade them? No, I don't. I don't know, but I just. I don't know why they can't speak plainly if somebody asks at minicamp, what about Alex, and have Jay Gruden say, well, clearly he's a long way away. We're so happy he's out here. He lifts the spirit of the guys, but he's got that thing on his leg. And, you know, first priority is Alex getting that leg strong enough so that it's good to go going forward, and he can have a normal, healthy life. We're not worried about football right now. In fact, we're not going to worry about it pretty much all season. I don't know why they can't say that.
0: That would be the sensible thing to do—the football way of doing Oh no, no, nothing to see here. Look, they put out some photos that were cropped of <laughs> him throwing a football right. when he has this huge steel cage on his. What'd leg.
1: you, what'd you I, make of that?
0: Again, it's 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 they're they're blowing blowing sunshine. Now, I will say this: I, I this off season has been much better for them than I would have thought. Last year, you had Brian LaFamina who was in saying. Uh, Well, yeah, there really is no waiting list. Uh, Buy your tickets. We're going to be transparent. It's going to be a haul, but we're going to get it right. And this year, to pump things up, every report that comes out of minicamp is – Dwayne Haskins is great. Dwayne Haskins is unbelievable. The people are bending over. Dwayne, what? Oh, like a seasoned pro. Vernon Davis was on our station last Friday with the Junkies. He said he's got one of the best arms he's ever seen. That's Vernon true. Davis has been in the NFL twelve, thirteen years.
1: Well, you say I that. <laughs> you say that the Redskins are doing better they're doing better just selling the hype because we don't know right. if Haskins is going right. to be any good and if Trent isn't there good luck he'll be running for his life if he actually starts and plays
0: right but but right now in terms of of creating interest they have done a very good job of doing that around this rookie
1: do you think it's going do you think it's going to translate into ticket sales
0: a few not many
1: do you think there'll be a sellout for the home opener? Which I haven't even looked at the schedule. You know what the home opener is? I think is? it's
0: Dallas. It's, so that's what it makes is. it interesting. Yeah, and so we'll sell. You know, we'll sell
1: out Dallas. It'll be half blue, though. That's the problem. At least, at, le- at least, at least half blue. Oh shit. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Hank Haney's story, Andy. When we last oh. talked, had this thing even blossomed up yet?
0: No, I don't think so. That was a. That's been a quick, uh, quick thing, uh, including Tiger jumping on. Well, that's the latest today
1: and we'll get into it, but let me get let me let you get your swipes in on the original transgression and of course the predictable over the top pushback from some corners of the media to Hank's off-handed comments. Go.
0: Well, it's 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 something you might say on a sports radio show and you probably might have said it 4 or 5 years ago and gotten away with it, but in this day and age, you got to be more conscious of that. And look, the LPGA itself in the last few years has indicated that they're interested in making the competition, so I say, more diverse and more glamorous. Didn't one commissioner talk about Yeah, how he'd two like-
1: two commissioners ago put out a memo telling the gals, you know, you should really try to put makeup on before you go out to play. And right. we are in an image society and it doesn't hurt and you'll make more money in endorsements, appearance fees, and everything else if you look presentable. And I thought it was pretty tame, but of course it was met with the usual pushback.
0: Yeah, yeah. But, you know, he, in his position, he shouldn't have said it. Uh, and then, did did he double down when a woman by the name of Lee actually won? Did well, that's the, that's the thing.
1: That's the thing. He turned out being so Nostradamus-like correct you can't even make it up because he said he couldn't name six players in the LPJ tour he actually na- he said I'll take a korean named lee and he he was right with the woman who is the sixth Jung jong lee by the exact name so the six even lined up with a korean and with somebody named lee
0: yeah but the spirit in which he said it
1: oh, I know. and the forum it was dismissive it just- it was a dismissive yeah. this this league is garbage and all these Korean players are the same to me, so who cares? And that won't fly in today's society. And he's on a perch as a host on a you know PGA tour radio platform that they would expect a little bit more diplomatic from him. That said, Tiger piling on at the memorial drew a response yeah. from Haney today saying, Oh, ironic that you now think Tiger is the moral arbiter of all things women. That was rich right there because Hank Caney's like, I'm sorry, wasn't this the guy that had 15 mistresses and he didn't as much buy any of them more than a sandwich?
0: (laughs) Yeah, well... Uh, you know, uh, it's, it's a bunch of, a bunch of really rich guys. And, uh, you know, I I, look, there's, there's been bad blood between Haney and Tiger for some years now, right? Well,
1: right. Haney didn't like how Tiger dumped him. And then Haney went and wrote a book called the big miss. Of course, Tiger didn't like him for that. So this was Tiger's chance to go ahead and give him a sharp elbow to the ribs, which he did. Haney responded back. And I'm sure this whole thing will, will, will exit the news cycle shortly. But of course your gal, Christine, over at USA Today, fired in with Hank Haney should not be allowed to set foot on any golf course in America ever again.
0: Yeah, that's a little severe. I read Sally Jenkins' column. And Sally, too,
1: jumped in with both feet and splashed around. Here's the thing, though. Guess how many columns Christine has written on the LPGA so far this year? Zero. How many? Zero. Oh, really? So it's not like yeah. she covers the tour, but okay, whatever. Um, Wizards GM, still. Still. We're looking for a general manager. Concerned yet?
0: Uh, Yes. Uh, Well, I I think what's going to happen is it's going to be Tommy Shepard. Okay. And uh, and I think that, you know, and they'll sell it like, well, you know, we kept the uh, guy who was already here with the caps and uh, we won the Stanley Cup and, you know, Tommy's done some great work here and, uh, you know, we're really impressed with what's happened. But the the reality is nobody wants this job. You're stuck with the John Wall contract. And you uh, have the ninth pick of the draft. What are you going to do? Plus, you got to trade back Bradley Beal to have any hope.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's it's an ugly situation. But this is a huge decision on Beal for the Wizards because they've got to really figure out: is he worth keeping? Can we keep him? If we do, you
0: can't. No, no, you can't. You can't. You have to because because he's the only thing you've got of any value, and you're you not. Can't, gonna you be can't. Able
1: to- you can't. What? You can't trade him, or you can't keep him.
0: No, you can't keep him. Yeah, oh. I guess you you could, but but if you if he has a year where he's all NBA, in the next two, you're going to have to pay him a max deal. And they can't do that.
1: Wow. So you're firmly in the trade him camp.
0: Have to. He's the only thing you got.
1: I I agree, I listen, I agree Andy. I just always pictured you as a guy that likes to hold on to guys that are good.
0: No, no, no. No, no you, you can't because right now You've got to figure out a way to eat your way through the wall contract. So while he's, he's chewing up all this money to either play or not play, as he probably won't next season, uh, you've got to be gearing up for when you're out from underneath it that you can build the team. And that's four years.
1: Yeah. It's too bad. Bradley Beal is a, such a likable guy. Solid pro even said he wants to stay here which god it hurts which is you... a
0: smart thing to do that 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 increases your leverage that that means you're not a malcontent so that's the good good for him for saying it plus he's been unbelievably durable in the last couple of years he's hardly missed a game if any i think i don't think he's missed any in the last 2 years yeah
1: okay anything else before we uh, say good night for the time being
0: no, I'm just, uh, I'm just, you know, I, I'm hoping the Nats get back in it. But Strasburg just gave up four runs in the top of the first. Oh, and, fuck! Uh, yeah. So, uh, by the way, do you remember? They, it, it'll be Saturday. It'll be the anniversary, ninth anniversary of his debut. Yeah, Strasmus,
1: Mary Strasmus. It, we were, yeah. we did, it, we had a charity golf tournament that day.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. And, and and I it, got it, it was, to it, and I got to meet uh, Reardon. Oh, Mike Reardon. Remember that?
0: Yeah, and, and, he, and he schooled you on how good Pete
1: Maravich was. For, former Washington bullet Mike Reardon from the old-school 70s NBA was at this yeah. tournament. You were there. You introduced us. He was very nice, but then he starts digging into me because he had heard my, <laughs> my, my, my pistol Pete would get his shit eaten up in today's NBA rants on the air, and he was giving me the business, Mike Reardon.
0: Yeah, no, well, and I know. Well, and he should have. And then because
1: I, yeah, yeah, yeah. played yeah. against
0: them. You didn't.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then I and then I uh, and then I drove home, and I listened to Dave and uh, Charlie, our play-by-play guys, yep. on the broadcast, and it was electric. And I listened to all the Strasburg strikeouts. How many strikeouts did he have that day? He
0: had fourteen. He finished the game with seven straight punchouts. I mean, they were ready to put him in the Hall of Fame that night, and the reality is, over the last ten years or nine and a half, he's had a very good career. But the expectations off that night was that he was going to be Roger Clemens or you know somebody who was a certain Hall of Famer. Yeah. And while he's played well. Uh, that that night really didn't give you a full picture of what his career was going to be like. And then, you know, he, he managed to make, I think, 12 starts that season, and then he had the Tommy John surgery. Yeah.
1: And s- since but then, he's, out, he's outlasted Bryce Harper, and I think he's more liked than Bryce Harper. Do you miss Bryce Harper?
0: Um, I miss I miss the excitement of when he would come to the plate, like that you have to stop everything and watch, because sometimes he would hit majestic home runs. But last year, especially this time of year, he was a strikeout machine, and he is again and this year.
1: He's even more of a strikeout yeah. machine this year. So, yeah, all right. But I'm glad we have baseball. That's for damn sure. You and I lived for many, many years in this town with no baseball. So, it's good. oh,
0: and I never, I never became an Orioles fan. No. I, I'm, I'm proud to say. I waited my 34 years. It was like, it was like I was like Andy Dufresne. I waited it out and waited it out, and I finally got to ride with the top down and my GTO on the island with a new team.
1: (laughs) Unlike Helen Hunt in Castaway, who didn't wait for her man to come back. (laughs) She moved on, much to Tom Hanks' chagrin. All right, Andy, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks.
0: All right, then. Take care.
1: All right, there you go. Andy Poland. Let's end on this today. Dodgeball. It isn't just problematic, it's an unethical tool of oppression. So say researchers. A gathering in Vancouver for the annual Congress of the Humanities and Social Sciences will present papers on everything from child marriage in Canada to why dodgeball is problematic. Basically, they say that dodgeball helps uh, legitimize bullying and legitimize brute power, and humiliation of your opponent. They call it a tool of, preve- of of oppression. And according to these researchers, the game is not saved because some kids like it. Said Joy Butler, professor of curriculum and pedagogy, ped- pedagogy, pedagogy? At the University of British Columbia, quote, as we consider the potential physical education to empower students by engaging them in critical and democratic practices, we conclude that the hidden curriculum offered by Dodgeball is antithetical to this project, even when it reflects the choices of the strongest and most agile students. Blah, 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 blah. You know what Joy Butler needs? A good, stinging, red, rubber, Voight dodgeball. Poink! Squared to the face. She needs to feel the sting of the missile, of the red missile that we all grew up on playing dodgeball. (laughs) This is back again. This was a thing 15 years ago where Bernie, uh, what's his name, on uh, Real Sports. Uh, Bernie, talk to me about dodgeball. Uh, said... uh, 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 you know, uh, host uh, Bryant Gumble And Bernie Goldberg would go through it. 15 years later, it's bubbling up again. Dodgeball is evil. Eh, okay. I guess, I guess those who oppose it are not going to rest. They're just going to lick their wounds, loop back, and give it another try. Let's hope that they fail. Dodgeball's the fucking best, man. It's fun, all right? It's hard. It's a little scary when you get hit in the head with one of those missiles but that makes you feel alive. Makes you feel alive. It's what uh, life should be all about. That'll do it for me today. Thank you so much for listening. An extra 1% of me. I do appreciate everybody who downloads and subscribes. Get the app. It's absolutely free and uh, gluten-free as well, I might add. And subscribe if you are so willing and uh, want to help contribute to the overall operation. If not, just... Glide for free from Monday through Thursday. Thanks for listening, folks. Have yourselves a great night and we will see you next time.